Not Quite Cool is a podcast that contains spoilers, opinions, and general nonsense. Listener discretion is advised. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another great episode of Not Quite Bi-Monthly, uh, our show where we record every now and then. My name is Keith Brooks. With me, as always, is Mr. Chad Dowdy. How are you doing, Chad? It's a great question, Keith. I am doing amazing. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, <laughs> and I'm slightly terrified. Last time I saw you, you were wearing makeup, but we'll get all into that later. Um, sure. And then with us, as always, or as periodically, is a man whose name is true to form, because when you spend time with him, you feel like part of your life has been robbed from you. It is Rob Prago. Uh, Prago, you're hey, here. Bro. I'm here. Let's do this. Let's, let's talk about current events and, and fun TV shows and and uh, bad special effects and yeah, you know, yeah. Let's talk about that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, we know that people tune in here to see the latest in movie news, so we're here to talk about the latest DC <laughs> film. And of course, we're talking about Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. Now, uh, we're talking about the Flash. Uh, so all three of us saw the Flash. So let's just go ahead and speed through this one. Chad, huh? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. We're good. Chad, uh, what did you think about The Flash? I'm, I'm really disappointed this movie bombed because it really bombed for its budget. Like, really, really bombed. Redefine the time. And, and it's, it's a good movie. You know, I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. It's, it's not the best DC movie. It's nowhere near any of the worst. Uh -uh. Uh, to me, it seemed like a... Uh, comic book event story brought to life. It, that's what it was. I mean, it wasn't Flashpoint exactly, you know, but it, it was a pretty good version of Flashpoint. I loved all of the characters. Um, obviously, Keaton's in it. It's awesome. But yeah. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what it is. Uh, the woman who played Supergirl, uh, Sasha Cali, I think's her name. I'm not sure yeah. how to pronounce it. She was doing something for me. She is, without a doubt, the hottest superhero I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, hotter damn. than oh, Bella Johansson. Damn. Hotter than Margot Robbie. She, I don't know what it was. It was doing something. She is the hottest superhero I've ever seen on screen. She's amazing. Special effects were mid to not great. Yeah, there we go. That's but, <laughs> but the story... What was I enjoyed the story a lot. I enjoyed yeah. the cameos, and I'm not talking about Keaton. Keaton won a cameo; he had a major part. But but I enjoyed a lot of the cameos. I enjoyed a lot of the stuff, the surprises. I enjoyed this movie. I am just again disappointed of how poor of a showing it had at the box office. Yeah, um, Rob, you're also disappointing. Um, what did you think about the movie? Keith, I look back at my life. It was a total bomb. It's not good. Um, I, I I was sitting next to you in this yeah. movie. I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I smiled the whole time. It was entertaining. Um, look, Machete knows how to make a movie. When you make one of these movies, he was again. He was also he was put in a no win scenario, and he came out making something pretty goddamn good. Um, look, this is sort of a perfect storm of of shit. There's a lot of reasons why this thing went. 
I think there was a bad attitude going in from just from the audience from anything. One, one, the lead actor, there was a a, a sizable negative uh, uh, feeling about him. Um, I, I I feel like I can separate the character from the actor. I watched the movie. I'm not, you know, it's um, again. I still go watch uh, Mel Mel uh, uh, Mel Gibson movies. You know, it's um, um, so there was that. There was a very sketchy, iffy rollout of this movie where they were they were doing screenings for dare I say six weeks. Where I would I would argue that the movie kind of felt stale by the time it came out, which is a little weird. For me, I'll say that, you know, it, they created their own monster. Universes are a thing and movies have to, and movie, when a movie is linked to a universe in the eyes of, I don't want to speak for you guys, but it, it needs to matter. There's just something psychological about it. It has, regardless of its, uh, regardless of it's independently a good movie. And there's a lot of people who, when they, when they announced the DCEU was done, this movie ceased to matter mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So now you got a sketchy rollout. Iffy kind of positive Tom Cruise going the best movie ever, and people are going, give me a fucking break. Um, you know, you got the end of the DCEU. Um, you've got the weird Snyder universe people who are just like fucking Nazis. And there's a lot of shit going on. And it all kind of came up. People were like, ah, fuck, I'm done with it. I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. Uh, everybody was looking for anything they can look for to, to bitch about. And the special effects was was the easiest thing. Now, Chad and I had a conversation the other day about the special effects. Now, when, when that movie starts and the babies fly out the window, I was sitting next to you and I went, Jesus Christ, that's horrifying. <laughs> and, and but thank to me, thank God, it was horrifying with cartoon looking babies flying out a window. And I went, this is an iffy choice to do this. An iffy choice, as Chad also points out, to shove a baby who's falling in a microwave. These are iffy, sketchy choices. And I said to him the other day, I said, I don't know if I could have taken it had the special effects been really good and they look like little babies. And I'm wondering if this was a conscious choice to go, let's soften the blow by making them not look great. You know, I I don't know. So, and the end of the movie didn't bother me as much because it felt like a comic book you feel. It felt like the Snyderverse flashback fight scenes, cartoony a little bit. Then again, I know if you have Nick Cage, show me fucking Nick Cage. Don't put a cartoon. Absolutely. Well, anyway, I digress. But I did I enjoy the movie? Yeah. Like Chad said, it was far from the worst TCU. Holy shit of Wonder Woman 1984. Holy shit, Shazam 2. I mean, come on. I mean, is did you did you even watch Shazam 2? Is the point. I couldn't get through it. I liked it. I thought it was wow. good. I thought Shazam 2 was awesome. Yeah, but it was good. God damn. Talk about a hot uh, superhero. Um Shazam? I, uh, uh, no, well, no, Megan Good. Megan uh, Good. Yeah, oh, I should have watched the movie. I should have watched the movie. Yeah. Um, listen, like, yes. all that stuff. You also have David Zaslav, who has not done anything positive for Warner Brothers, hundred percent, and continues to be a tirade on the movie business with Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese having to come out against him with the whole TCM stuff, like. Right. And so I, I think there's nothing but negative will right now towards. The DC properties, and I do think that's unfortunate because I I do think the movie has some issues in it, um, and I think Ezra Miller, though I think they are a wonderful performer, they are problematic, like without a doubt. Um, I think there's also this weird that I'm I'm just in a different place because I see a lot of people talking about how dumb the George Clooney cameo was. I loved it, like yeah. 
even though yeah, George Clooney, cool. yeah, by, by no means was he a good Batman, but that's a great self-referential sort of thing. And it feels like a lot of, at least people in the YouTube space are sort of shitting on that. Um, and it's like, no, fucking give me more. Like, I wish there's all these rumors about all the cameos that they had shot. I wish you would have given me more of those, even if it's just him running through and we're seeing images of films that you have the rights to, as opposed to whatever that CGI bullshit was. You have so much footage of Christopher Reeve. He did four fucking movies in that suit for you. Why not do that instead of a CGI thing? But, you know, whatever. Um, but I thought Ezra Miller did fantastic as the different versions of The Flash and all of that. I do think it's weird that we didn't really have a Flash villain in the movie. Um, but I also think they're going for sort of a reverse Flash thing. I thought right. Keaton was awesome. Sasha Kaya was gorgeous and, and fantastic as an actress in it. Uh, I thought the fight scenes were fun. Uh, I thought the direction was quirky and weird. And from the minute they put babies and dogs falling out a window, you're like, oh, Muschietti's a dark person. <laughs> he had some issues he hasn't worked his way through. But I was totally fine with all of it. Like, in the end, I feel it all comes together with a very heart-touching story. And it's all about a can of tomatoes. And that is... It's beautiful. Like that, that was a beautiful thing. I thought those emotional scenes really pulled at your heartstrings really, really well. And that Miller did a great job of balancing out the different variations of Barry. Um, that was fun. I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't really have much to say. I think his performance was noticeably stronger once the second Barry came on because he had something to adjust to, yeah. and it pulled down his weird shit that he was kind of doing. It was, it was a little quirky, a little over the top for me until the second Barry came in, he had to ground himself. And then that was, that was a nice adjustment. And I kind of wish that was the kind of the flash we had the majority of the time, but it was nice to see. That's when the movie got good to me. When right there, we got to see that. That was an impressive dual performance. It forced well. him to grow up too. And I like, I think the clever thing of this movie is it gives a, gives us an origin story without the ability to give us an origin story, yeah. right? Because we sort of get all of those beats, even though Zack Snyder pushed the Flash into existence already. So we're not rehashing stuff necessarily, but finding a creative way to do that. And my favorite scene from the Flashpoint Paradox comic, or Flashpoint comic, is the hit me again scene and they incorporated that really nicely into this after he's been struck by lightning and it's yes. not working and he's do it again like that's my favorite part of the, the book the animated movie and one of my favorite parts of this so um i think to me the big bads are some of the face uh replacement was was rough uh of ezra onto the other ezra some of that was wonky you couldn't show me one picture of Henry Cavill ever in the entire movie. That's just weird. That seems like it's spiked at that point. You know what I mean? Um, Affleck was great. His his mask looked weird. Keaton's costume looked great. I'm glad we got all of the nostalgic moments with him, including the, how much do you weigh? And he should have insulted them at the end, you know. Um, but other than that, like, I, I dug it. You guys have any thoughts about it? I think the Cavill thing was was financial. Do you think Cavill had a contract where if you use Cavill, it's another ten million dollars? It's another twenty million dollars? I, I I mean I I don't know. I mean yeah, you still have Zaslov sort of slashing and you know calling the shots, pinching pennies. You think it's it's more spite than? Or I think just, it's 
spite or it's stupidity because again both yeah but again you know i'd sit here and go if if cavill was in it then people would show up but it didn't help black Black but i think it's still like you know this is the goodbye you know this is the swan song you we know he shot stuff for it uh we know you have footage of him so it's it's got to be, and he had to be paid when he showed up to shoot it. So the only thing holding it back is residuals. Like, you don't want to pay Henry Cavill a residual? You know, our residual package is really big. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, so on something that's probably going to stream for four days before you take it off the service? Like, who fucking, like, ugh, just yeah. ridiculous. I, I, don't, I just don't understand why they extracted him from that film and that takes me to the next film we're going to talk about uh i didn't watch it but i know rob did chad did you watch extraction 2 yes so thor uh stars in this movie about extracting vanilla or something like that i don't know i haven't seen either cavity. Get tooth. he's extracting a tooth oh gotcha uh cavity uh chad uh talk about thor making people's teeth thor it's, it's hard for me to remember the first one i remember enjoying it but i i did think this was, was better i i I actually really like this one. Uh, it could be recency bias, or it could be Rob's frequency bias, as he mm-hmm. likes to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I like Chris Hemsworth. I think he makes some bad choices in some movies that he does, as far as stuff that he's in. But I like this. It seemed to me uh, big budget. It, it didn't seem like a direct to Netflix movie, even though, you know, it is, uh, it seemed like a big movie. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I, I'd, I'd watch this franchise go on. I, you know, hmm. I, I'm a friend, a fan of his character and, you know, it was just well done, but there, there is an amazing, and Rob can talk about this too, but there's an amazing Warner in this movie that goes on forever. And it is obviously there's camera tricks and stuff like that. But it's it's amazing. It's it's worth the price of admission alone. Is that Warner is amazing in this film? That's awesome, Rob. Did you enjoy the Warner? I enjoyed the Warner. I enjoyed uh, Extraction Tour. I enjoyed. Uh, oh. It's it's uh, it's nice. I th- I thought the first one was more fun. They changed the tone a little bit. I mean, what's great it was seeing him. It, each the first one, the relationships to who he was extracting was was completely different. So and and who he was dealing with. To me, the second one was a little darker. I enjoyed them both equally. I just think that the first one was more fun. Not that it was better. I, I it was uh, was the director Sam Hargrave. Is that him? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this is the closest thing to John Wick that I've that I've seen outside of the raid and stuff like that. I don't want. I'm not touching the, the great things. But recently, since John Wick, um, these guys have got a real. This crew has got a really good handle on some fun action that you can see clearly. They're not. They're not getting too tight, so you can't see it. They really pull back. The choreography is great. Yeah, and boy, they have you on the edge of your seat because the Warner goes on. I mean, it's not just going on. It's it's not just in a hallway. It's it's going from set to set to mo- to moving train to helicopter coming in, and you're like, what? The Prison fuck? grounds. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. It's just, uh, I mean, I mean, it felt like you know, it had to be choreographed like a like a musical. I mean, there are pieces going all around. It's like a giant dance number on Broadway. It was amazing. And uh, Hemsworth is great in it. A lot of fun in it. The acting's good. It's well cast. His supporting team was strong. Good bad guys. Just good look. Yeah, it's sure shit not red notice. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, thank God. Um, I'd like to see what kind of numbers this thing does, you know, as far as 
whatever relative numbers yeah. Netflix yeah. gives you. Um, hopefully, uh, in the next couple of months, <laughs> there'll be a little more yeah. transparency. I think right? the writing guild and SAG would also like to see uh, what the numbers yeah. are. <laughs> they wrote some good stuff. It'd be nice if they got a. Uh, you know, some benefit of it. I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I, I did. I uh, that'll be uh, that's something I will watch again. For sure. Well, you know the the Warner Keith to me it reminds me of. I don't mean this in a bad way, like a video game. Oh, cool. So, yeah. you know, you're the character and you're seeing Hemsworth from behind, and it's not always like this because you're not following him every single second, but yeah. you're following him from behind a lot of stuff, and he's, you know, he's fighting people, he's shooting at helicopters, he's you know driving the car. It's just like a continuous video game shot is what it reminded me of a lot, like in a good way. Yeah, but not like a hardcore Harry way where you're just seeing the nozzle of the gun. No, it's no, it's, no. it's you feel like you're in it. You feel like I mean, if this if this movie was shot done well in 3D, you'd feel like you were just oh shit, like right right in the midst of it. It's uh it's done very well. Yeah, also, cool. I'm really impressed by your reference. I think it's Hardcore Henry, not Hardcore Harry, but still, it was a good reference. I'm really proud of you for it. You knew what he was talking about, at least, right? Yeah. Harry was re more recent to my frequency bias. Was that? Okay, gotcha. Um, well, well, speaking of recent things that we've seen, let's go ahead and talk about three episodes of a television show that's you know taking the world by storm. And I think only Rob's watched this. Of course, we're talking about Hijack starring Idris Elba. Uh, Rob, how was Hijack? Also, before you even start, let me just clarify to the audience. Rob actually wrote in the chat things he's seen today, and that's kind of amazing. But go ahead, Rob. Tell us about I Hijack. told him to, by the way. He was telling me over the phone, and I said, put that in the text so that Keith knows. <laughs> because we're not going to bring up Hijack. <laughs> Unless some person named Jack came on, and we'd be like, yeah. Hijack, and that's the... Saw that. Uh, so Apple Plus uh, I'll tell you what I like about Apple TV Plus most of the stuff looks like they spend money on it nothing feels like they're just throwing out quantity for the sake of quantity Um, Elba is so good he is he is he has got calm and cool yet urgent down to a science he's got important he uh, is it's so good you need to watch this guy. He controls everything. Um, he plays a, a guy on an airplane. Okay. There's a hijack, and he's a negotiator, sort of a guy who goes in. Um, it's well done. It's well cast. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I would recommend it highly. I don't want to give away any spoilers. There is a hijack. Um, do you like Idris Elba? Hey, kids, you like that Idris Elba guy? Yeah. He's Idris elba the shit out of this part. Oh, he's awesome. Okay. Yes, he's uh, watch it. It's on Apple Plus. It's at least seven ninety nine a month. <laughs> okay, yeah, fuck yeah, or buy an Apple product and you get it for a year for free. Um, uh, yeah, it sounds to me like it's got all the elements that you would want there for it. Which reminds me of the next film that I want to talk about, Elemental, the newest from Disney and Pixar. Look, I nobody's talking about this movie, so I kind of thought it was just like there's a base level where I thought it would be good because it's Disney Pixar. This is like toe to toe with across the Spider Verse for me. Like, oh my gosh, Keith! Well, because it just blew me away what the movie was about. Um, the movie is about an interracial relationship and how that works, and it's just fucking insanely good. The story at first, until you're about halfway through, feels so simplistic, feels so by the book, 
And then it just gets deeper and deeper into it. And some the animation style changes a couple times. And it's really fucking beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful little love story that had me crying at moments, which was I'm alone in the theater because nobody's going to see it. I'm a 37-year-old man wearing like a, I don't know, Texas trench coat on masker it. shirt. You were yeah. in a trench coat, right? Anyway, it was hard to masturbate while I was crying so hard. Um Yeah. So I I don't know. I just really loved it. I can't recommend it enough. A lot of great voice acting in it, a lot of great themes, some great storytelling. Uh, it's phenomenal. So check it out if you have it. Elemental. Is Pixar, is Pixar a victim of the uh, of the pandemic in the sense that they they just they really they funneled a lot of their movies and over over to Disney Plus and sort of trained the audience that we wait sixty days, we get it for free. You I know. Think so. I don't even know if that's. I mean, I think that's part of the problem. But I think the other part of the problem is that the the price of movie tickets has gone up. The economy but it's, i think they both work hand in hand right now but so the economy they're trained to do it it's yeah and again when you're going to elemental you're probably you're probably not a 37 year old single guy going to the theater by himself probably somebody or a group of people with kids yeah. so it's not one ticket it's four tickets it's 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 food popcorn, popcorn. Yeah. you know it's it's a lot so it really it makes more sense to wait till it goes to digital and for even if it's 30 bucks initially, it's cheaper than taking a family of four or five to the theater and your free fall, you know, hopefully. So uh, again, it's I I think, you know, again, the pandemic changed a lot. And again, you know, it's it's no fault of anybody. Everybody had to adapt. You know, the the, the companies had to adapt to find a way to do it. They just kind of opened Pandora's box, I think, where people go, I can wait. You know, it's and plus I think, you know, the the urges, the needs, and the wants of youth, which is always the demographic we're always going for, it change. You know what I mean? And I, I just think young people now, they don't give a shit about going to see movies. That yeah. the idea of the franchise and tentpole thing is more a product of my generation than it is theirs, you know? And so uh, I think young people consume their media in a different way. A lot of that is TikTok. A lot of that is in shorter bursts. Uh, Quibi, I think, would do really good if it came out right now. Um, but unfortunately it didn't. And so I don't know, a lot of those influencers sort of take the place of movies. And that takes me to the next thing that we're going to talk about. Chad watched a film on shutter called influencer. Chad, tell us about influencer. So this movie is surprisingly good. I don't want to give away too much because there's a lot of twists and turns in this. And just basically there is a influencer. She goes to Thailand and, you know, she's just there taking pictures, you know, selling product and meeting people. And then basically uh, a Hitchcock film ensues, uh, you know, it's it's very well done. And it was made uh, during the, the pandemic. And you can tell because it's very, not a lot of people are in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like listening to an, an interview with the either the writer or the director, I, I think it might be both, but he was just basically saying, you know, they when they went to Thailand, there was like nobody there because of protocols and stuff. So it was like empty beaches, you know, everywhere wow. they were going. So the isolation really plays into this movie really well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's on Shudder. Uh, it's more, to me, more thriller than horror. Uh, but again, there's a lot of twists and turns. I, yeah, I, I recommend this. It's, it's good. That's awesome. Oh. I, I watched a movie on Shutter, the name of which describes Rob uh, Unwelcome. Um, it 
uh, stars Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, she's phenomenal. She's great in this movie, especially. And Chief O'Brien from Star Trek uh, shows up as well. Uh, You might know from Star Trek Next Generation or uh, Deep Space Nine. Anyway, um, this movie is about red caps, which red caps are a mythical figure, mostly in like British, Scottish, and Irish folklore. They're sort of like gnomes or leprechauns, but they're mischievous sort of things. And it's about her and a guy who looks just like Jack Whitehall, but it's not him, uh, are married. They're expecting their first child. They live in the city when all of a sudden they get attacked by a home invasion. Uh, Freaks them out. His aunt dies, so they go to live in the aunt's estate in in the the countryside of Ireland. But they're unaware that the aunt has a bond with the nearby red caps that live in the forest. So she has to feed them raw meat every day. And if she doesn't, who knows what will happen. And that's sort of where the story starts. Um, And it's quirky. It it feels like it's supposed to be funny. Um, And it kind of is, but in that weird Gremlins sort of uh, Jack, uh, uh, Joe Dante sort of vibe. Um, You can tell the house that they're shooting in is on a set and they don't intend to hide that it's on a set, you know, a stage um, because the sky has a weird hue to it. So it's just interesting. It's, It's an interesting movie to watch. It, it is, again, super fucking bloody. Super fucking bloody. Hodor is also in it um, for a little while. Uh, but it's it's a fun watch, you know? Uh, it feels like a relic of the past. And that takes me to the next thing I want to talk about. It reminded me, it reminded me when uh, when you said she feeds the red cap things. I, I pictured Betty White in fucking uh, Lake Placid. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That- alligator. And they find out, she's, yeah, I'm just feeding them. Like, yeah. Nice yeah. Thing. It's sort of that vibe a little bit. Um also, thanks for destroying my amazing segue. But uh, Be- Betty White was old, and so is the next thing we're talking about, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, I know Chad and I watched it, um, and and Rob is a relic of a bygone era, so I think he can put in his two I seconds. fought Nazis. I fought Nazis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that was just last week. At a, at a rally. Uh, Chad, what did you think about... Mr. Dr. Henry Jones Jr. coming back for another adventure. So to me, this was better than the Crystal Skull. Yeah. But it's nowhere near the level of the first three to me. Um, It's fine. You know, I enjoyed it. I I didn't hate it by any means. Uh, But there were several cons that I had with this movie. And so one of them is in general, I love uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but she was unlikable in this movie for a little bit uh, because of what she did to Indy. You know, she, you know, uh, screwed him over and it wasn't like in a fun way. You know, she was just really screwing him over. And, you know, Indiana Jones is an icon and that's our first meeting with her and that's what you're doing to him. It, you're, you're getting off on a, the wrong foot with yeah. me anyway. So, you know, I didn't like that part. Uh, the de-aging that we saw in the trailer looked pretty good. The problem is, is that there's a lot of de-aged scenes with Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, would you say the 20 first minutes? 20 minutes? Yeah. And then yeah. there's a second bit of it too. I think the second bit looks a lot better than the first bit. Um, 
but we could talk about the problems with the first bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so the de-aging, you know, again, it works a little bit in movies, but when you have it that much, it's just, it didn't work for me. The, the de-aging did not work because it was just too much. And it's, it's not necessary that for that to be 20 minutes, that opening scene for, yeah. to me. You know, think of Raiders of the Lost Ark and that opening scene, you know, he's in, he's in the cave and he's out. You know, it's like, it's, it's perfect. You know, and that might have been what they're trying to go for, but they didn't fail. But this is my biggest issue with this film. And Rob, I'm going to spoil something for you so you can close your ears if you don't want to hear it. Fucking time travel. I was totally fine with that. Oh, go go ahead. So I don't know why that I'm fine with the mysticism and magic in some of the other movies. God comes out of a box. Yes. And you're cool with that. Bro. I'm fine with it. A dude's thousands of years old. I'm fine with it in Last Crusade. I don't know why this time travel is up there with aliens for me. It's ridiculous. Let me ask you something. As somebody who hasn't seen it, I, I thought that was clear in the marketing that time travel was the dial of destiny was this thing that can dial and change history. They can travel back in time. I mean, to me, that was clear. I don't know whether or not they were actually going to travel, but I... I always thought time travel was on the table was that this was a thing. So it doesn't really spoil anything for me. I don't remember thinking that in the trailer. Uh, it, But, you know, some of these trailers I watch one time and then I'm like, okay, I don't want to see any more about the movie. I'm just going to wait and go to the movie. So it's very possible. And even if it's in the trailer, you know, in a lot of these movies, it's kind of like hey, this guy's after this because they think it does this and it doesn't really do this, you know, or yeah. something like that. So, but again, yeah, I, the time travel, I mean, I, I no, I was not a fan of the uh, time see, travel. It I was loved, like aliens. I loved how they did the time travel. I, I feel like the aliens thing still doesn't work because it's like, well, they're transdimensional instead of aliens. Fuck you. They're aliens. But I, I feel that in this, it is time travel, but it's not a time machine. It's a natural occurrence that they just find. And it's not like the fact that you can only go to one place. That's all you can go to. And it was the minute the Indy says he was looking for help. Like, that was about the part where I was like, oh, I'm totally down with this. Plus, I feel the effect that it has for Indy. That's some of his, That's some of Harrison Ford's best acting, is that last, second to last scene, when he sees it all and is like, let me stay here. I, I don't want to go back home. Like, that is incredible performance by Harrison Ford. That, and when we find out what happened to Mutt, I thought was, A, fuck that yeah. Was yeah, it was rough, though, man. It was rough. Yeah. And, and and not until later do you realize when he's describing Marion, he's describing himself actually, and so that was like an impactful thing for me. I th- to me the the first de aging scene didn't work because Harrison Ford still sounded like eighty year old Harrison Ford, and he still moved like eighty year old Harrison Ford, and that just is incompatible with a young face. It's the, the one scene from The Irishman. I was going to say with Pacino, with Pacino getting out of the chair. Yeah, or to me, it's where De Niro is supposed to be kicking oh. the guy, but he's moving oh. like a 90-year-old, you know what I mean? And it's like, ugh, that's not, ugh. I love what they were trying to do. I thought Toby Jones was a great addition to that. I kind of thought he was going to be playing his buddy from the first one, but he's a completely different character. Um, 
I was fine with Phoebe Waller Bridge. I like the fact that she is Indiana Jones. Like she is living his life from the the sidekick, the same way he got short round, right? The, the chasing her, her father's thing, the same way he chased the Holy Grail. The the being a womanizer, but now it's all the hot Arab guys she can find. Like all that's fucking great for me. Like I loved all of that, and I thought their their play off each other was wonderful. Um, but I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, a girl in Indiana Jones. I'm not that dude. To me, the biggest problem was you had all the pieces, but Mangold is nowhere near the director Spielberg is because Spielberg knows what to do with those pieces where I feel like Mangold was going, he was coloring by numbers. You know what I mean? Like, you think, you think Mangold may have been trying to make a Spielberg movie as opposed to make a Mangold movie? Because Mangold... Barring one or two, he's well, he's top tier. I mean, he's a damn good director. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you yes, I, and by saying that you, what you spoke is truth, that says a, that says more than you need to say about Spielberg because yeah, he's a god. But it wasn't like you were holding up up against you know somebody schlocky. No, it's Mangold. Yeah, which is and he's and he's great. I think I I totally think he was trying to make a Spielberg movie because he has some camera movements that feel like Spielberg, but he just misses some of the quintessential parts of like the setup. Like there's a moment where it's that classic, they're behind me, aren't they? But he doesn't show them getting behind him. Like, and so it's like simple stuff like that where much like Stanley Kubrick, which I feel is one of Spielberg's biggest influences, he's going to show you every single part of this piece that you need to see before it all comes together. And there's a there's a chase scene in this movie pretty early on. Um, the whole movie is fucking chase scenes, but there's a chase scene early on in this movie through a ticker uh, uh, day parade, and I kept getting lost with the geography of the scene because he didn't set it out for me. And Spielberg always does that, like, and so it's those simple things that Spielberg is mindful of that just makes the Indiana Jones movie so magical. Like and, and this just doesn't have the same magic. It has all the components and it's almost there, but it just is absent that je ne sais quoi. I think Mads Mikkelsen is a great fucking villain. Antonio Banderas is barely in there, but he's awesome in there. John Reese Davies, I don't understand why we're not canceling that because he's not Egyptian, but still he was great in that. Um, and I love him as a person. He's grandfathered in. Yeah, I think so. Um, literally, he's grandfather in this. And then uh, you know, the person who shows up at the end, I was really happy to see her. And, that was uh, great at the end. That, yeah. that was a great ending. I, I do think that it was a, it was a great ending through all the flaws. Yeah, that was an awesome final sequence. You know, final scene, what have you? Yeah. Was, was, who do you think got closer, Mangold trying to make a Spielberg movie or Spielberg trying to make a Kubrick movie with AI? Spielberg trying to make a Kubrick yeah. movie. Yeah. I think Spielberg because yeah, AI wasn't any good, much like most Kubrick movies. So, oh my god! But I think it's I think. He's making a bad Kubrick movie. Then they go to make a good Spielberg movie. Yeah, I think I think Spielberg's uh, touch is so inexplicable. Like it's so magical. Everything he does, Hook, Jurassic Park. I mean, Spielberg can't always hit it on the nose, but when he does, God damn, talk about a movie maker. You know what I mean? And I feel with those first three Indiana Jones movies, particularly the first and the third. That's just fucking pure magic. And it's hard to recapture those. I think Mangold got closer than anyone else ever has in this movie, but he just missed the mark because that mark is so lofty. You know what I mean? Um, 
But it's not doing well, which sucks because I just think the world has a bad attitude right now. I think the world just has a bad attitude and it's taking it out on the movie business. Probably. Absolutely. Also, we Change can't afford it. Change your goddamn attitude, people. Yeah. So. We also can't afford to go to movies anymore, but I, that's fine. Um, also, uh, Harrison Ford, what a lengthy career that motherfucker has had, whether it's Indiana Jones, Han Solo or Jack Ryan, which brings us to the next thing that Rob's going to talk about. The first four episodes of Jack Ryan season four. Is that right? Yeah, that's what. It yeah. Is. So this is the final season uh, of, of Amazon Primes. And it was a nice surprise because the truth, I didn't even know they shot it. I guess I had heard just recently that uh, knowing that Krasinski was moving on and they, they got him to kind of backdoor season four right after they shot season three, which is great. Uh, I love seasons one, two and three. Uh, really did enjoy it. They flew by. Great casting, great writing, very intense. Krasinski really. I, I mean, what, what a what a formidable Jack Ryan, and we've had some good Jack Ryans. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody, I've, I've enjoyed even the Chris Pine movie. Chris Pine's great. I, that movie, I, I enjoyed. Um, season four, it feels a little rushed. Just uh, through the first four episodes, it feels like oh shit, we, we should make another one, and it's just not quite as tightly written. Though Michael Pena shows up, and I again, I didn't know who was going to be in this. And again, not to spoil it for anybody, he he is a very um, dangerous character and not not to say what he's where his point of view lies and you talk about an opposite to who he played in ant-man in the first two ant-man movies and yeah. we were talking about this the other day where i think that's ant-man 3 could have used a little more of him um what a different character even the way he walks the way he carries his shoulders you look at him and you're like is that fucking michael pena <laughs> just everything is really really strong and uh it's worth right now the first four episodes just watching Krasinski deal with him. Again, you know, I don't think of Michael Pena not necessarily as an obstacle, somebody you have to deal with. Yeah, Though yeah. in uh, what was that? And to watch. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. There, there was there was there was some there was some gravitas there. Um, it's it's good. I did, this show. This show has me. If you like the espionage thriller, the Jack Ryan lore, um, I think you'll dig it. If you haven't seen certainly seasons one, two, and three, if you're in for a nice long binge. There's some great stuff going on in these series, so uh, give it a watch. That sounds, that sounds awesome, especially like Michael Pena playing a dangerous man. That sounds fantastic. He's a wonderful actor. But speaking of dangerous men, Chad, who is a dangerous man in himself, watched a documentary about a dangerous man. I've watched the first 30 minutes of the first episode, and that's, of course, we're talking about Arnold the um, chief of action officer, whatever it is, at Netflix. Chad, what did you think of Arnold, the documentary? So, you know, it's on Netflix, it's three episodes, mm -hmm. and the episodes are split into the various athlete. phases of his life. Yeah. So, like you said, uh, athlete, bodybuilder, then actor, and then politician, which, you know, it works out perfectly for the way his life went anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is my childhood hero. Yeah. You know, he... If anyone asks me today, still, who's your favorite actor? It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know that he's not the best actor. No, but he's you know, really good. I, like, I just love him so much. I love him on screen. Yes, he is getting old, as everyone does. But you know, I, I really enjoyed this documentary. I mean, the you know, obviously, I knew a lot of this stuff. They don't shy away when it gets to the political career. They don't shy away from some of the scandals in his life, mm. and. You know, again, he's talking about it. I mean, there's obviously footage from the past and things like that, but then it cuts back to 
now and he's talking about those moments. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that they don't shy away from some of those scandals and he and he addresses those uh, head on. But what it made me really want at the end of the day is uh, I want a retrospective of Arnold talking about every one of his films, like every single one talk about, you know, all of them, you know, from, you know, the villain Hercules, you know, all the old ones up until now, you know, he's still, you know, making movies now. So that that's what I want to see. Now. You say that, but I don't know if you've ever watched his Batman and Robin uh, commentary because literally that it's the worst ever. It's literally him like, oh, see here, uh, he's cold because he has ice on him, right? And he's going to put the ice on everyone else so they will be cold too. It's a funny scene. It's just him describing what everybody's saying. This is the scene where I wear the thing that you see me wearing. Yeah. But I think I read too that I, I believe they said he was drunk out of his mind when he did that oh, uh, commentary. Yeah, I don't like crazy. Same. Yeah, <laughs> but but still, I would like for him to honestly go back and talk about these movies and not be in like promotion mode. Yeah, this is the greatest movie ever. I, I took this role because I thought it would be me stretching my you know acting chops more than anyone else ever. That, that's what I, I want to see. That being said. The fact that they did this, they just announced, and I'm on board for it. I'm going to watch it too. Similar documentary, but Stallone is doing one for Netflix. Awesome. And I'm on board for that too. Hell too. yeah. I, to me, now I've only watched the first 30 minutes, but I could totally see. I've never seen Arnold be as honest as he is in the first 30 minutes of this thing. He talks about the fact his father was a Nazi, like talks about it, talks about how difficult it was growing up in this small town. And you're hearing why he fell in love with bodybuilding. He's speaking in German, like a a good portion of that first one. And it's so like, because yeah, he is one of my heroes. I, I think Arnold is underrated in his performances half the time. I think the movie Red Heat, I think he's fucking really awesome. good in that movie. He has, movie right? Yeah. Which, yeah. 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 He right. does the Russian accent. He has gravitas to what he's doing. You can see his emotions. The movie Maggie is phenomenal. Um even his Batman and Robin, he understood the assignment. Be the 60s Mr. Freeze. And he nailed it. Like, Arnold does his job, and that's what every actor should do. What was one of the first movies he did after he came out of politics? Was the one with Johnny Knoxville where he was the sheriff on the border town? The Last Stand. The Last Stand. I love that movie. That movie, I smile the entire time in that movie. Yeah. Arnold is great. He's the most he's comfortable in his skin. He's great at being Arnold. And that's it's almost all he needs. And what he says too in the documentary, and it's true to degree, is like, you know, he doesn't believe in impossible. You know, like when he wanted to be a bodybuilder, he wanted to be the best bodybuilder in the world. And he became that. And again, he talks about taking steroids. I mean, you know, he doesn't shy away yeah. from, from taking steroids and what he did to become the best bodybuilder in the world. Then he wanted, he wanted, you know, he won so many Mr. Universes. He's like, I got to do something else. So yeah. I'm going to be the best actor in the world. The dude can't even speak English very well. Yeah, and he literally becomes the top actor in the world, and then after that, he you know he goes into politics, and he can't be president obviously because you know he's not born here. But so he becomes the next highest thing. He's the governor of California. He does not believe in impossible, and he makes it all happen. I'm sorry, he's the governor of California. Please remember <laughs> that. I to me, I I can't wait to. 
I didn't realize his the impetus for his love of bodybuilding was watching Hercules, um, the movie. And so, like, it gave me chills because I'm like, he's going to become that. He's going to yeah. literally play that part. Like, that's fucking exciting to, you know. I, and I, I love him. I, I think End of Days is one of my favorite movies. I, I Most of the time, like, we, we all think about him in specific roles and people lampoon the joke. But whether it's on Terminator or not, he is a machine for what he's trying to do. And speaking of machines, that's going to take us to our next film, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Chad and I saw this. Um, Rob thinks a Transformer goes into a car. Um, But Chad, what did you think about the, I guess the second film in the rebooted Transformers franchise or the seventh film in the, I don't know where it belongs. What did you think about it? The timeline's definitely wonky as far as that goes, but this is fun. You know, I had a good time yeah. with this film. Uh, obviously, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the, these Transformers movies are typically ridiculous. One of this is this is my main problem with the live action Transformers movies. The fact that we have these humans in here, and typically the humans can't really do anything against the Transformers. You, you're thinking of like Josh DeMail, he's got his entire crew, and they're jumping out of planes, they're shooting at the Transformers, and they're not doing anything to them. They're mm-hmm. not stopping slowing down they're not doing anything it's transformers against transformers that's what it is so in this one i appreciate the fact that they try to do something a little bit different by giving the main character like a suit to Mm -hmm. a degree where he could actually you know fight some of the transformers too so i did like that i like the fact that you know we got omicron as far as that goes you know that's pretty dope but the reveal at the end of the movie my jaw dropped because i did not know about that i didn't see it coming either i should have seen it coming i'm an idiot i feel like but when he turned that card over and it said gi joe i was like awesome let's see what's next now for sure 100 like look i think i love anthony ramos as an actor i think he's phenomenal uh and most of my knowledge of him comes from hamilton and in the heights so i think this is my first non-musical other than like a law and order episode i've seen him in and he was great. And the the lady from Swarm, I thought she was phenomenal. Uh, I loved all of the Transformers that I saw. I, Pete Davidson was great. Um, Michelle, I thought he was actually Pete Davidson. I like him in general, like bodies, yeah. bodies, bodies, and comedic roles. I like him. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't enjoy his voice performance. Oh, his- it's Mirage. I I thought he was pretty. Yeah, fun. I didn't. I liked Peter Cullen was great as always. Peter Dinklage was the one who stole the show for me as Scourge. And and uh, what's his name? Charles Domingo or whatever his name is, Unicron. That was fantastic. The The Transformers action is always kind of ridiculous. Um, at a certain point, Anthony Ramos is just wearing Pete Davidson's corpse for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that. Uh, the fact that Toby Ngwiwe, the rapper, was like his best friend. That's fucking insane to me. Uh, but that was cool. Um, and then the guy who was the representative of the G.I. Joes, that man is in everything. He's in House of Cards. He, he's one of the most serious actors you've ever seen. I can't think of his name to save my life. Well, he's a big Atlanta Falcons fan. I do know that. That's awesome. Um, but the fact that he was in this movie as a member of the G.I. Joes blew my fucking mind. Blew my fucking mind. Yeah, uh, I was like, where's this scene going? What is happening here? Yeah. Didn't put two and two together. I'm an idiot. Yeah. 
and so that was good. The post credit scene was kind of dumb, but whatever. Like, I'm glad Pete Davidson's not dead anymore. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. I I had a fun time watching it. It was uh, yeah, it was cool. Anytime uh, gorillas come from outer space to save the world, I'm I'm here for that. Um, <laughs> so uh, that takes me to something that I saw. Speaking of coming from outer space, the new Wes Anderson film Asteroid City. Um, now this stars Adrian Brody, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Jason Schwartzman, uh, the, the woman that Chad has admitted he doesn't find attractive, Scarlett Johansson, um, just a <laughs> bunch of amazing stars. And it is probably, and Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston's fantastic in this movie. He's so fucking funny. And it's not that he's trying to be funny. He's had, he's got like a Rod Serling character in this. So the movie is a play within a play within a play. It's literally a black and white broadcast of a play and the creation of a play so the asteroid city storyline is the play and they're showing you behind the scenes so there's moments where brian cranston's in the background of a shot waiting for his cue and then realizes he's not in the scene and just walks out without making any it's so fucking weird and and just funny scarlett johansson has a full body nude scene and i don't know why but i'm applauding it unlike chad i think she's a beautiful woman (laughs) Um, and Adrian Brody's fantastic in the movie. Uh, Maya Hawk is in it and she's great too. Uh, Jeff Goldblum doesn't have a single line and is wearing a mask the entire time, which is weird. <laughs> I was reacting to that too. I was like, why would you have Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. He's got the most interesting voice on the planet and not have him speak a word. Uh, doesn't, uh, uh, say a word, not a single, uh, uh word. Um, <laughs> but, it is a. I feel like it's the most personal movie Wes Anderson's ever made, while still being completely quirky. But a lot of it's about art. Uh, Tom Hanks is a womanizer in the movie, and he's pretty fun. He's hitting on every woman he meets, and that's pretty great. And, and it's got a lot of fucked up shit. But if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, or if you just like quirky, weird movies to dissect, this is a great one to check out. Um, I really enjoyed it. It keeps changing into different things throughout the entire film, and I kind of admire that. Um, speaking of changing into different things, let's talk about the first three episodes of a TV show that we've all watched, and that is Elementary. No, just kidding. Uh, Secret Invasion. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, fuck. Uh, Chad, what did you think of Secret Invasion so far? I'm enjoying this. I feel like Sam Jackson is playing Fury as such a smart ass. I, I love the way he's playing Fury. I mean, yeah, I mean, he kind of plays Fury this way and all of them, but we're just getting more of it. So I'm really enjoying this. There, There's one scene, I'm not sure if it's episode one or two, but I believe it's episode one, where I feel like he is giving off jewels from Pulp Fiction vibes where he's questioning some dude. He might as well be eating his hamburger. Yes. Like that, like that is, I'm like, this is freaking Pulp Fiction right here. I loved it. I loved it so much that it was like Pulp Fiction. And uh, I'm just, I like the intrigue. I like the fact that you don't really know who you can trust or who's a scroll, who's not a scroll. I like that stuff. But um, you know, the, the thing that really, I've heard online about this a little bit. And I don't know if you guys have, is they're kind of comparing it to Andor, like it's, it's Marvel's Andor, and the fact that it's not as, you know, good as the actually, rest of- yeah, actually, in fact, it's, you know, it's more cerebral. The, to me, the difference is, <laughs> is that Sam Jackson is so much more compelling as yeah. Fury. 
as bland or ever is played by Diego Luna. Like that's the main difference. There's no comparison mm-hmm. just because of the two main characters. I'm not really going yeah, out I, there saying Sam Jackson's more compelling than Diego Luna. Yeah, he's pretty good, you know. Yeah, he's but yeah. I, I'm ready to see where you know where this goes for sure. Yeah, I, I'm digging it. Yeah, big time. I needed it. I'm not even digging it. I think I I just needed Marvel to stop just being goofy and just give me a goddamn story. I'll tell you what's what's cool about Sam Jackson. It feels like he went from a guy who was towing the military line. I mean, it was Sam Jackson sort of not imprisoned, but shackled by his very important job, which is to save the universe and still answer to you know, the powers that be. So it was always that Sam Jackson about to explode, but, you know, very focused on achieving the mission where it feels a little untethered here, which is great. Like, like there's a fuck this, like I, I'm over it. I'm old. I'm done. Uh, and you're right. The, his every inner monologue that comes out of him right now, it, it feels like he went from military man to, to Jules, where every inner monologue is bitch, please, and motherfucker. And that's what, his his intonation is that every line that scene with Rhodey was just bitch please and motherfucker. I, you know you're fucking. You know the lean in, the lean in was he couldn't he couldn't hit him in this in this show. So that was as close as he's going to get the fucking decking or laying hands on Rhodey. Um, I think the limp might be a play. I, I think I think he is just every again he's the, he's a spy man. And everything, I think at the end of this, it's going to be like Kaiser Soze at the end of, uh, you know, uh, when he just kind of, all of a sudden the limp goes away and he walks away and he straightens up and he's just, and he's gone again. And he's fucking Nick Fury again, the eye patch back on. And this is how he handled it. And this is what he needed to do. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know this, if, if Talos is the big bad. Hey, I don't know if we, we talked about that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the big because right right now everybody's everybody in it's good. Clearly Amelia Clark's not dead. Like Benedict not Ben Benedirel Poopahead. What, what's his name? Um, what the uh, fuck's his name? Kingsley <laughs> Benedict. Kingsley <laughs> Poopahead. Yes, Kingsley Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ben Kingsley uh, Direl guy Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's really good. He's a really fucking good actor. That scene. There's been a couple of scenes him across the table when he was talking to his. His cabinet, there were some line deliverers there that were fucking unexpected and very powerful. But boy, uh, uh, Mendelssohn, that the scene with him in the restaurant, that that back and forth, I, I'm enjoying, like I can watch an entire fuck, a week of just good actors sitting across the table going toe-to-toe, De Niro Pacino. And this movie is littered with really fucking good actors with some pretty good writing, some pretty good dialogue, mm-hmm. really fucking chewing it up. And um, yeah, you know, shit, it's, is it great? It's good. It, it's good. I, do I like it? Yes. Am I, am I well, looking forward to more? Yes. Am I, am I a little frustrated that it's already halfway over? Yeah. It's a little odd in the pacing, maybe a little bit, but I, I'm wishing it was, it was twice as long because that, so that's, I think that's a good sign. And I think the tone was necessary. Actually the tone of this feels to me, less Andor, and in a better way, more of the the original Hulk, the 2008 Hulk movie, where there's sort of a tense tone. They're not screwing around. 
there's humor, but it's not funny or it's not intentional. It's even the color palette. So it feels like that where it feels a little more like that uh, with a better script to me. Um, I'm still curious to see if any Avengers show up. I mean, I'm curious, you know, are they really going to go through the whole thing where it is just Fury, you know, doing this, uh, you know, on his own? Um, really good. The woman who plays his wife in this was his mother in uh, Glass. Yeah. In Glass. Yeah. She's great. Oh, really? She's working a ton. Yeah. Oh. Totally great. And she's she's phenomenal. 63 years old. Yeah. Holy shit. What's what? Sam? 77, 78, something like yeah, that? Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I think just this looks yeah, just phenomenal. It's a lot of fun. It, it's The acting's great. I mean, I can watch them go toe-to-toe all the time. I, I, I agree. I, th- that scene where Gravik is, when they're in the the uh, gallery, and he's pointing at the painting, the World uh, War One painting, and, and just how how intense that moment is, how how impassioned his speech is it's phenomenal to me it's and this is the first mission impossible movie like that's what it uh, i liken it to more because it is about that game of chess and and i really enjoy that and i am eager to see where at the end if they are smart in their writing nick fury would have been leading us down this rabbit hole the entire time and, and his his plights and his struggles won't be exactly what we think they are like i think it makes sense to have the post-traumatic stress aspect of the blip because that's a huge thing sure. and i feel we barely touched upon that but i think in comic book wise and just in the general lore of these comics nick fury is as good of a planner minus five from batman you know what i mean like <laughs> right. Yep. He he is that's who he is. He's the guy who's always ahead. The fact that they killed Maria Hill, if they've killed Maria Hill, is a huge thing. Um, I hope they had the balls to kill Amelia Clark. I don't think they did. I think yeah, the super, no. yeah I, I think the super scroll program is is wonderful. It's fun. That's a cool way to do that. Uh, Olivia Coleman is stealing the fucking show. Like I wonder, and again, one of the one of the one of the little conspiracy theories is popping in my head is. Has Sam Jackson been working with Olivia Coleman's character the whole time behind the scenes? Are they just Maybe. sort of acting as if they don't know what the other hand's doing? Um, I, the Amelia Clark thing is interesting. I wonder if Gaia is dead, but whoever Amelia, whoever Gaia was taking the form of is somebody of importance. They come out of whatever pod is in the back there, and oh fuck, she's what, what's the character's name? I'd mentioned to you there, the kid that you were telling me you knew her name. Abigail was, Brand. Abigail Brand. There were, there were rumors that that's who she, or she'd become a character that was sort of akin to an Ab- Abigail Brand type character. I don't know. But certainly the actress is not leaving the show. The character of Gaia might be gone, but I don't know. That might compel uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character to go off the rails if Gaia yeah. is dead. I mean, it could be, it could be interesting. I just I feel like with the first episode killing off. Uh, Maria Hill. Hill. It sort of gives you that stakes of anything can happen. And again, I don't know how committed they are to that. The thing that shocks me is that we don't have a Veronki. Like Queen Veronki hasn't showed up. And that's like a, a big part of the scroll mythos. So it makes me wonder if Olivia Coleman is a scroll in disguise, or if there is going to be the post credit scene at the very end is going to be the queen revealing herself. Is Talos' wife actually dead? You know, that yeah. seems like a plot point that they hit a little too hard in the first couple of episodes. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. And the fact that we're halfway done with it, everybody thinks that Rhodey is a scroll. 
I kind of don't buy it. I don't. I don't. Oh, think that's, 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 they're hitting that so hard on the fucking nose. I mean, that's just they are hitting it hard. But you know, Keith, you can speak to this too from the original Secret Invasion comics, where again, we're, there's a lot more characters, comic book characters in yeah. the Secret Invasion comics, but there were a lot of heroes were secretly scrolls. So it, it could be that Rhodey is a scroll if they're not going to bring any other avengers into yeah. the thing but i do feel like it would be a missed opportunity based on the comic if they don't have somebody important be a scroll and i don't mean like the president of the united states i mean somebody important in the mcu that we've seen before that we've seen in other movies or what have you them being a scroll and how long have they been a scroll yeah that i, I would like something like that which would be akin to the comic. I think, I, and I have no problem. I'm going to cut you off. I was going to say I have no problem with that at all. I just think if that is the case with Rhodey, I, I don't feel it's been sharply written. I don't feel it's been sharply handled because that was clearly his voice when when yeah. she called to talk to Gravity. That was that was him. That was Don Cheadle that she was talking to. It just, it's not a very, it's not surprising. Impactful. It's not surprisable. It's not impactful. Right. So right. I. But I do think that's probably the most likely because that will then lead us into armor wars and we'll find where Rhodey actually has been, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I don't know what to expect because I'm still confused about who Scylla is working for. I like that's the thing about the show is that there I think there's some there is some like creative brilliance happening especially with like names the fact her name is priscilla but he calls her Scylla, which is a, a grecian monster and there's all these allusions to greek mythology throughout the entire thing that's pretty fun but i also feel it's at the same time a lot of the espionage and the intrigue is very much surface level it doesn't go deeper than that i feel that the mcu shows though i love all of them have never been more creative than loki the first season and wandavision i feel those are the two that were the sharpest and the wittiest right and the rest of them have been kind of popcorn you know to a degree which i'm fine with like i i think they all have their moments but uh, and I'm digging this show, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, but I do wish there would be more moments that sort of <gasps> caught me off guard in big, bad ways. And I think yeah. there have been elements of that with the Marie Hill death, with him having a wife wasn't a big surprise to me. That wasn't a shocking moment. It felt like it was supposed to be. I was like, yeah, fucking Sam Jackson fucks. Of course he does. What, what did you think? Um, so America fuck. Yeah. Um, so... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm here for it. And and I was punched in the face once by Sam Jackson, so I'm here for anything he does ever since then. I owe him for a cup of coffee. Uh, but Sam Jackson and I worked together on a film directed by the same man who directed this last film that we're going to talk about, Tim Story. And that movie is called The Blackening. I've watched about half of the movie. Chad's watched all of it. Chad, what did you think about this? And I know we're in July, so we've missed Juneteenth. But that's what the movie is centered around. Chad, what did you think about the blackening? Well, I feel like, Keith, that we probably should have started the podcast with this because everyone's going to want to know my opinion. Yeah. Uh huh. On the blackening. Uh, it's absolutely. I'm the person that should be able to speak the most about it. Yeah. People are coming to you for this because they're really yeah, excited about exactly. it. You won't believe how many texts I got 
after I posted on Letterboxd that I watched The Blackening. And like people from high school I haven't talked to in years are like, oh my, The Blackening, Chad, do we need to watch this movie? Please tell us. <laughs> so listen, this takes, you know, tropes of horror films of the way African-Americans are treated and just twist them. And I think it, I think it does a very good job at twisting those tropes. You know, the tagline is uh, they can't all die first. Yeah, it's, it's very clever. And mm -hmm. that cleverness permeate, permeates throughout the entire film. Like they're taking all of those things. Keith, you said you saw the first 30 minutes. I love at the beginning when they're talking about screen two and they're talking yeah. about, you know, Jada Pinkett Smith and uh, Epps, I think maybe. Omar uh, Epps, yeah. Yeah, Omar they, Epps. They probably uh, couldn't you know, afford them for the entire movie. Yeah. And then they look at each other and they're obviously the two stars of the, you know, they're the two biggest actors in the yeah. film and they look at each other like what, you know? So again, the movie's not always on the nose like that, but it's very funny. You know, it's very clever. Uh, I did, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's likable characters with a cl cl clever premise. The, you haven't got here yet. So I'm not going to spoil it. The reveal is kind of meh as far as that goes, but you know, it's, it's a fine horror movie. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm liking it a lot so far. I do think there is that place where it borderline goes to scary movie area every now and then. Um, like scary movie, the Wayans Brothers scary movie. Um, like that style of it. Every now and then it sort of tiptoes into that area. And then every now and then I feel it's doing a great job of actually commenting. I, I feel you have a good inclusion of people from the black community you seldom see in these films. Like what, the fact that you have this collegiate sorority type get together. Um, that's awesome. Like that you're having like all the Grecians get back together. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And something you don't really see cross into the mainstream of film that is not black film. The fact you have the gay best friend the you know, that's awesome. That's cool that you're seeing that representation in it. Um, I love the little, racist board game that they have that's neat and an interesting <laughs> device to play with things uh the sambo just character. that's the cut that's the cut that we're going to take out of the podcast is you saying i, I love, love the racist, racist. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or just i love the racist and then it cuts off yeah. there and then plays rob saying kingsley been a poop head or whatever it said before <laughs> just so we get canceled by everyone um yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it definitely you see the horror movies it's taking from. And sometimes I think that's the part that makes it easy to go into parody section. But but again, I haven't watched the whole thing, so I don't see how it all gestates. Um, so but I'm excited to watch the rest of it. I, I, I've been enjoying it. And Tim, I think, is a, a person from my experience with him who always wants to go closer to comedy. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just excited to see what else he does with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but speaking of things that we're watching... Let's talk about some trailers. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, the first trailer that we're going to talk about is one that Rob demanded that we speak about. Um, this uh, has no he's talking about. writer Steve Ditko, Matt Holloway, and Stan Lee, directed by J.C. Chandor. It stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, Russell Crowe, Alessandro Navola, Christopher Abbott, <laughs> Ariana DeBose, Fred Heshinger, Levi Miller, Greg Kolpachki, Rachel Hanshaw, uh, Drayton Castrati, Murat Seven, Robert Ryan, and Will Bowden. This is, of course, Craven 
What's the fucking called? Craven the Hunter. Russian immigrant Sergei Kravinov <laughs> is on a mission to prove that he is the greatest hunter in the world. That's not what I got from this plot, this trailer at all. That doesn't look like this movie at all. Chad, what did you think about the trailer for Craven the Hunter? I'm just laughing at you, Keith, because you're a comic book guy. If if Rob's like Craven, what is it Craven called? It's like, yeah, Craven the Hunter. That's what he's called, Keith. It's unbelievable. You couldn't remember that. Listen, I'm gonna be real quick because I want I want Rob to just go off on this trailer. I thought it looked good. It look it looks better than Morbius. It's violent. Uh, you know, I'm gonna check this movie out. But go ahead, Rob. Ooh, Rob, go ahead. Look, I'm a I'm a comic book movie shill. I, I see everything. I, I it I fucking hated this trailer. I, I I it might be my least favorite trailer. Maybe it's just all timing right now. I, I just. Everybody in it, I'm a fan of. And I felt like everybody in it was acting like they were supposed to be acting. That's what I felt like. I felt like Russell Crowe was acting like he was supposed to be acting. And I felt like Aaron Taylor Johnson was acting like he was supposed to. And there was a lot of this. The fuck is like they all had the same goddamn move. It was like that thing. So what the fuck is everybody doing? It, It felt like a fake trailer. It didn't feel real to me. It felt like a fake fucking trailer. How could Sony... Be so good with their Spider-Verse. And so effing shitty with the cartoon, your, your multiverse, whatever, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, and I, I don't understand the dichotomy of the good and the bad. I, listen, I get it. It's different people. It's different people doing different things. I I hated this trailer. And, and, it just, and it hurt because I like everybody in this movie. And it's just, I, this is the first one I go, I may not go see this in the theater. I may not go see it. It just looks like crap. And I said, did I see Morbius in the theater? I can't even remember if I saw Morbius in the theater. I may have. I don't recall. Um, probably borrowed Keith's uh, Blu-ray 4K I literally copy. think he did. So. I did not. No, I, I did not. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> you know, it was started off okay. It then it kind of goes off the rails. Um, it started off fine, and then it just gets it, it, shitty. This, this looks not good to me, guys. I, I just I have no interest in seeing this whatsoever. Um, if it's great, if you say, well, it, Chad, if you say it's good, I'll go check it out. Keith, if you say it's good, that's you being Keith and you're a good fan and you're, you're a good <laughs> And I appreciate that. Um, but Chad, if you say it's good, I'll check it out. Um, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, as much as it pains me to say this, I agree with Rob. This looked fucking terrible. This looked like a high school film project is what it looked like, but with less creativity. Like, I, the reason I couldn't remember that it was Craven the Hunter was because I forgot what they changed him into. I thought it was Craven the sous chef environmentalist for a second. Like, I don't know what the fuck this movie is supposed to be, but this is not Craven the Hunter. I know he can do a Russian accent, but you're not going to let him like even in this thing, it says Russian immigrant, but he's what? Oh, this pisses me off. So bad. the lion's blood is what I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. What a a fucking 1990s comic book movie thing to do. Like, uh, listen, Keith, I I don't know what your hangup is about. I know Rob's and I'm going to tell everyone what Rob's is. He's craving the hunter. So he hunts animals. Rob's not going to be that, by that argument. I would like this take on it because he doesn't because he's protecting him. But this the movie look like crap, and that's you know I, it just looked bad. It just looked bad. It it's bad. Yeah, and the trailer didn't even need to be a, a red band trailer because 
Even if he didn't bite the guy's nose off, it was still a bad trailer. Even yeah. the way he bit the guy's nose off looks so fucking stupid. I've made better violence than that in movies. Like I've bitten guys' noses off better than that. Yeah, that's oh my god. <laughs> I, yeah, to, yeah. to me, it's like what a bastardization of the character. Like I think the vast majority of these Spider-Man characters that they're doing, the thing that makes them interesting is Spider-Man, and by removing that part of the equation. You just got bullshit. Like the chemical is not balanced at this point. But even if you didn't want to include Spider-Man, there's still a story to tell here. All of these characters have origin stories, but you're just telling them fucking wrong. Don't make them be heroes. Craven is not a good person. He is a bad guy. Uh, and so unless at the end of this movie, he's like, no, me decide to speak a Russian accent again and kill animal. Then this movie's pointless. Like... <laughs> Unless he helps fucking Donald Trump win presidency, that he's not acting like the real Craven the Hunter, and it's just and is that supposed to be Chameleon? If that his brother's supposed to be Chameleon, and if that motherfucker doesn't change his face in this movie, I'm gonna be pissed. Also, Russell Crowe's character is supposed to have long flowing red hair and live in the woods, and and they're not doing that, and I don't understand. You're yeah. mad though that uh, Haley. Uh... Uh, Bailey was a mermaid too, right? Is that right, Keith? No, I'm actually totally good. Cool she was great. She was actually great as the mermaid. And, um, but, but this Russell Crowe supposed to have long, flowing red hair. Come on. Do you not remember that from the Spider-Man cartoon? Big deal. It's Russell Crowe. He's he's supposed to look like Blanca from Street Fighter, and you give give me Blanca from Street Fighter. The is that no matter how bad it is, it can't be as bad as the, uh, the the end credit sequence with Keaton in Morbius, which is the worst written, the worst conceived thing ever that's, in the fucking movies. That's what all of this feels like. That yep. It all yeah. feels like the dialogue of, I don't know, but something, something Spider-Man. Like, that's that's what this feels like. And all the spiders coming down around him. I, 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 give me a fucking break. Come on. Stop. Enough. Enough. <laughs> Stupid ass bullshit. Well, but Keith, you are presumably going to the movies to watch this when it comes out. Yeah, and I'll own it on Blu-ray. I own Morbius. I own both Venom movies. It's just I have to, but You're taking up a lot of space in my house. I'm just telling you, can get yeah. your shit. Yeah. I'm just saying whenever this movie starts and it's gonna be terrible, I will not be able to exodus of out of the theater quick enough. And that takes us to the next movie we're gonna talk about, the next trailer, the last trailer of the evening. Um and that is, of course, Bob Marley, One Love. A look at the life of the legendary reggae musician Bob Marley, directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, written by Zach Balin, Frankie Flowers, and Ronaldo Marcus Green. The film stars Kingsley Benadier. Yep. Uh, Kingsley Benadier, James Norton, Lashana Lynch, Michael Gandolfini, Anthony Welsh, Tosh and Cole, Sandra Oakley, Nadine Marshall, Umi Myers, Nestor Aaron Absera, Aston Barrett Jr., Hector Donald Lewis, Naomi Cohen, Cornelius Grant, Sheldon Shepard, Anna Cher Blake, Daryl Lane, and Christine Roberts. Bob Marley, One Love. Chad, what do you think about the trailer for Bob Marley, One Love now? Well, you know, like the trailer says, he's an icon. And he's he's super cool in, the, in this trailer, you know, makes him seem super cool. It, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch this. I didn't realize, though, uh, we were talking before you even came on uh me and rob i didn't even realize it was the same guy from secret invasion yeah, so he's good. yeah he's really i mean he he, you know, he he doesn't look anything like he does in secret invasion he looks like bob marley that's what i was seeing when i was watching the trailer you know dude that looks like bob marley so yeah this looks good i'm gonna check it out 
Uh, Rob, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I love the trailer a lot. Um, and again, I'm glad I've been watching Secret Invasion with him in it. I mean, I knew he was playing the part um, uh, from a few months ago, but watching his work in Secret Invasion and then seeing the transformation um, on this trailer, he's he, he's dynamite. I, I just, this should be one of those, you know, I'm guessing that he'll be in, in talks for awards nominations, you know, come the the awards season. I, again, it's he's a... He's a He's an icon. He's a character. He's a type of human being that the world could use more of. Hopefully it's good timing. Hopefully it's shot well. It seems like it's got a, a dynamic cast. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward yeah, to this. Same here. Like I um I am shocked that it's taken us this long to get a Bob Marley movie. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. I, I, he's such an important figure in music, just in general and, and in culture, I think. But I think there is a lot of I, I do think his story is complicated and I wonder how much of it they're going to tackle. Cause there's a lot of controversial aspects to who Bob was. I, I was, you know, I, I was lucky enough to work at the Bob Marley Institute in Kingston, Jamaica for a year. And, um, and it was awesome to like, to work there and to be surrounded by it. But because of that, I'm very like, he doesn't look like Bob to me and his voice doesn't sound like Bob to me, but I do think he's a good enough actor where I'm excited to see what he'll do with it. And I'm just happy that this movie is being created. And I wonder how much of it they'll be faithful to and how much of it, you know, because at a certain point in time, whenever we got a biopic, it was the Hollywoodized version of that story. And I think Marley's story is such one that is, it's got a lot of challenges to it. He was a revolutionary. He was a man who left his home and was never allowed to come back. He, you know, was a Rastafarian who believed that um, Emperor Halis of Ethiopia was God, like reincarnate. And so there's a lot of like cultural touchstones about that, about his faith, not believing in medical, you know, research and stuff like that. So his sad death and, and uh, you know, multiple women that he loved in his life that are strong and influential people. So it's a rich, rich story that, you know, provided a soundtrack that millions of people still enjoy daily. So I'm excited to see the story brought to life. I think it's important that it is. And I wonder how much of it is going to be sanitized or if they are going to let it be what it actually is. You know what I mean? Um, so I can't wait for it. I, I think it's super exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, I I could I do think you could drop the Bob Marley part of it. Just call it One Love. The the, the name on it's kind of weird to me, but that's just my personal opinion. And again, it might be like it's like you know it's so far removed. Like you said, it's taken so long yeah. that there there's a whole generation now. Again, not to compare Bob Marley to Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman, but everybody's so removed from when he was alive that it's almost like let's not Risk let's it. make it as clear as possible who this is. Yeah, totally, so. totally, uh, totally possible. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, he is a person who was an icon that shone brightly throughout the world, much like, sadly, a person that we lost this past week, uh, the great actor Alan Arkin, oh, who, yeah. who was absolutely phenomenal in everything he was ever in. All of these amazing stories coming out now from his co-stars, directors, writers he's worked with throughout the years, his children, all of that stuff. Um, he will be sadly missed. Uh, what an icon of the industry. So, um, that... another, I was about, it's another actor with such a distinct delivery, a distinct voice who yeah. was very, was unlike a, a Christopher Walken, a Jeff Goldblum, a very just, there was no one really like them. You got, if you needed an Alan Arkin type, you either got Alan Arkin or you got no Alan Arkin type. It yeah. was, 
you know, he was he was very singular, man. Absolutely, I agree completely. But yeah, but that's uh, all I got. Uh, you guys got anything else? Is there anything else you watched that you didn't put in the, the text chat? Any <laughs> business? I like to keep to myself, talk to myself in bed, talk about. He's gonna wait till we start talking about what our uh, Twitter handle is, and he's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I watched this, guys." Hey, no, guys, don't forget to. I'll tweet out about you, which you should watch. <laughs> uh, but speaking of our Twitter handle, if it still exists, uh, Chad, where can the people find you? On Twitter and Instagram, NQC Podcast. Awesome. And Rob, where can the people find you? Twitter, NQC Podcast. Uh, or at Rob Pralgo. At me, at Rob Pralgo. At Rob Pralgo. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. There if, you, if you want to find me, you can find me in the not quite cool. No, it's not quite darkness. What the fuck ever. Don't find me. I'm done. I'm, I don't care anymore. Bye, guys. We'll see you next time. Peace. Not Quite Cool is a podcast recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, in conjunction with Actors Teaching Actors and Bean Dip Productions. Thanks.